chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall I look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So that's quite amazing. John the Baptist, he got arrested. He was put in prison by Herod. And you can see that he seemed to be doubting. He wasn't sure if Jesus was actually the Christ. It seemed at the beginning he was so certain. I mean, he was one in the wilderness preparing the way of the Lord. And uh, when he saw Jesus coming, he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he who was prophesied and spoken about and it's it's like he was absolutely certain and confident now he's in jail and he's starting to doubt why is he starting to doubt because i believe that even john expected jesus to be this mighty deliverer king to come and to to liberate israel and set them free from roman bondage and oppression and so john was very excited that the messiah was here the king was here the son of david was here and but he was still in prison and he's like um well i'm waiting uh, isn't the deliverer king supposed to deliver us deliver israel and what what am i still doing in jail i'm still under this roman bondage and you know, may, are, you, are you definitely the Messiah or, or should I be waiting for another one? It's like, wow, John was starting to doubt that. And, and lots in Israel were also starting to doubt because there was this issue that Jesus hadn't come. He wasn't coming as a big conquering king. He was coming as a suffering servant. And so people were looking for a physical restoration of Israel, but Jesus was coming for a spiritual restoration of Israel, not just Israel, but the nations of the world. And so the kingdom of God was coming to Israel with the coming of Christ, but it wasn't coming as a lot of people expected it or even hoped that it would be. And so even John, who was so bold in his proclamation and his faith before, even he was starting to doubt because he wasn't seeing this big deliverance that they thought the king was going to bring. And so Jesus sends John's disciples back to him. He says, hey, report these things back to John. The, the blind see, the deaf hear, the poor having the good news proclaimed to them. The lepers are cleansed. The dead are being raised. You know, all these incredible miracles that are happening. It's like, John, where have you ever seen that before in all of Israel? You haven't seen these things happening, but through my life, these things are happening. And then he says, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now, is he referring to John? Is that like a message to John? Like, hey, John, don't be offended. Don't be offended that I'm not coming the way that you thought I'd be coming. Blessed is the one who is not offended at me. There were many that were being offended. The Pharisees were offended. The religious, they were offended at Jesus. And they rejected him. They didn't accept him. But blessed is the one who's not offended. Blessed is the one who does receive him as the Messiah. And so perhaps he's sending John a, a message saying, don't be offended that I didn't come the way that 
perhaps you thought I would come. You knew that I was the Messiah. You know God had revealed that to you. You were a prophet with the message of God. And don't doubt now. Don't be offended that I'm not coming the way you thought. The miracles, they testify to who I am. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And many people were receiving Jesus as Messiah. And were not offended. There was many that were rejecting him and they were offended. Then verse 7, as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? In other words, like just a weak, soft man. <laughs> it's like, no. Uh, what then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes! I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, and he will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus was saying that John was a prophet. He was not some weak um, soft little man. He was a fiery, mighty prophet of God. He was like the Elijah. In fact, Jesus said amongst those who are born of woman, there's not been one who is greater than John the Baptist, which is incredible. He was, he was just talking about, I mean, he's talking about Abraham, Gideon, David, Moses, like all these, these mighty men of God that were used by God. And, and, he's, and Jesus is saying, John the Baptist is greater than all of them. He's the greatest man and prophet. And then Jesus says, but whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than John. What is that all about? Up until this point, no one's been able to enter the kingdom. Not Abraham, Moses, Joseph, King David. They, they didn't enter the kingdom. They just could look at a distance and see it from afar because, because their sins were never removed they were just temporarily covered and everyone in the old testament old testament saints who died they didn't go up to heaven they didn't enter into the kingdom they went down to paradise abraham's bosom abraham's side there was paradise there was sheol in between was the abyss and the unrighteous dead went to sheol the righteous dead went to abraham's bosom or paradise and those were both waiting rooms for the departed souls of the dead and they would wait until the coming judgments. Um, the, the, those in paradise, they had to wait for the coming deliverer, the Messiah, to come and shed his blood um, so that they could be forgiven of their sins and actually released from that prison. And we see when Jesus died, he descended into the lower earthly depths. He descended into paradise. He said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus descended to paradise and it says he, he led captivity free. Okay, after he had shed his blood, he could release them out. And so the captives were released and they could come out. And then it says when he ascended, he led captives with him. So under the old covenant, before Christ had come, everyone, all the Old Testament says, no matter how great they were, had to go to paradise. Even John the Baptist, who was the greatest of the Old Testament saints, even when he died, he would go down to paradise. But Jesus was saying the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. Even though John was the greatest out of all the Old Testament says, if you are least in the kingdom of God, 
then you are greater than John. In other words, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's coming through Christ. And anyone who enters it is better off than John. How do you enter it? By being born again. You can only be born again once Christ had offered his blood, died and rose again. And so after the cross, people could be born again and could enter the kingdom. And so it didn't matter who you were. You could be the least in the kingdom. You are better than mighty John the Baptist. So Jesus, he's, he's showing Israel um, the power of being born again. And that none of them were able to be born again. And they were all comparing themselves, how great they were, who's the greatest. And oh, John the Baptist is great. And Jesus sort of plays into that. You know, amongst all of you, amongst everyone that's ever been, John is the greatest. And they're like, wow, John, we want to be like John. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Whoever is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. It's greater than all of them. Because they simply the people who believe and have faith and are born again and are able to enter into the kingdom. Verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So what does that mean? Jesus saying from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence and the violence take it by force. It's, so the kingdom of God is coming with violence. It's suffering. It's, it's coming with violence. And then the violent take it by force. And John, he was starting to doubt whether Jesus was the Messiah because he thought the kingdom was going to come in a different way, as most of Israel did. They thought it was going to come in a physical way, but actually it was coming in a spiritual way. And there was, there was a spiritual war, war at hand. And Jesus is saying, since John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been coming violently. And John is doubting whether the kingdom's even coming. But I am saying, no, the kingdom has been coming and it's been coming violently. The kingdom of God is coming to challenge the kingdom of darkness. See, it's not just about physical rule and, and Israel and Rome ruling over Israel and there being a king. Jesus is talking about heaven and hell. When people die, they're either going to go into the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness and, and suffer in eternal hell. And so Jesus was coming to, to, in order to set the captives free and in order for people to be born again and enter into the kingdom. And he wasn't coming like everyone thought as some big triumphal physical king to just save Israel naturally. He was coming as a spiritual king to save the world spiritually. And, and it was coming with violence. And you look around and it doesn't look like in the natural, it doesn't really look like anything's changing. But Jesus is saying, oh, trust me, from the days of John the Baptist, since he, he started to proclaim that, that since he was a forerunner to proclaim the Christ is coming, the Christ is here, the kingdom is at hand. He said, since those days, the kingdom has been coming. Maybe you haven't seen it. Maybe you haven't been aware of what's been going on. But I'm telling you right now, the kingdom of God is coming to man and, and it's pushing out the kingdom of darkness. You're seeing people being healed. You're seeing people being delivered and set free and demons are being driven out and the dead are being raised. The power and the authority of the kingdom is coming to earth and things are changing and people are laying a hold of it violently. See, And, and the violent, they take it by force. What is that talking about? It's talking about a violent death, dying to get into the kingdom. It's not some wishy-washy, weak gospel. It's, it's, it's a gospel that says, die, give up your life. That's very violent. But those that are willing to die and give up their life, they take a hold of the kingdom. You've got to take a hold of it by force. And faith is a force. Putting your faith in Christ 
dying to this world, dying to the love of people, dying to the acceptance and approval of people, dying to the opinions of people and, and, and even people persecuting you if you were to become, just dying to all of that, saying, I don't care about that. I believe in Jesus. He is the king of this kingdom and I surrender. I give up my life. I violently take a hold of Christ. I don't care what kind of persecution I'm going to face. Whoever's going to be against me, I, I'm, I don't care. I'm going to violently lay a hold of Jesus because he's the king of the kingdom. And I'm, gonna, I'm willing to die so that I might live for him. And Jesus said, you can't even see it, but the kingdom of God has been coming all this time with violence. It's advancing. It's pushing back darkness. And ultimately, when he goes to the cross and he gives his life, he dies. He, he says, I saw Satan falling like lightning. And I tell you, that's when the ultimate power of the kingdom, that's when it is finished. That old covenant system is finished and people can come out of it and be released from it and come into new life in Christ. That's when people can be born again. They can enter the kingdom. They can walk with the king of kings. That is when the, the departed souls in paradise, Jesus resurrected and he brought them with him. That's when they could enter into the kingdom. And now it's not about being great. Who's the greatest? Now it's about being in the kingdom, believing in Jesus, putting your faith in him. And I tell you, you will enter the kingdom and anyone who is least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist, any of the Old Testament saints. All right. And verse 14, for all the prophets and the Lord prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears, let him hear. So all the law and the prophets prophesied until John. And we know in the Bible, it says that in Romans 3, that the law and the prophets pointed towards Christ. Okay, the righteousness of God that is apart from law has come that is through faith to which the law and the prophets testified. And so the law and the prophets basically showed us that we're sinners, we're lost, we're cut off from God, we're not right with God. There is nothing we can do to save ourselves. We've fallen short of God's standard and we need a savior. And, and Galatians 3 says the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, to show us that we need a savior. Romans 7, without the law, I would not have known sin. And Romans 3 says the, the, the purpose of the law was to reveal that we're sinners. And so and the prophets were to proclaim to Israel, return to the law, return to God and, and walk in the statutes of God. And the law was there, the statutes to show us that we're sinners so the law and the prophets were there to show us that we're sinners, that we're not right with God, that we are in desperate need of a savior. And it points to Christ. He is the savior. And all of the law and the prophets prophesied all the way up to John, John the Baptist. He was the final prophet who prophesied the same thing because now the Messiah had come. And there was no more need for the law and the prophets to keep prophesying because the, the thing that it was pointing to had now come. Jesus had come. So the law and the prophets prophesied until John. And then Jesus says, if you're willing to accept, he is Elijah who is to come. And that is a reference to Malachi uh, chapter three and four that talks about uh, this John the Baptist who would come. A prophet is going to come in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And, and it says that I will send Elijah ahead of you and, and, and equates um, John the Baptist with Elijah because Elijah was a mighty prophet, probably one of the greatest prophets that ever lived. And he, he was similar to John in, in clothing and what he'd wear and that he was, wasn't softy. He was a tough, 
hard prophet, but he, but he spoke by the voice of God. And, and it was prophesied that God would send Elijah um, ahead of the coming of the Christ. And so Jesus is saying, if you're willing to hear that, John actually is this Elijah, the one that was prophesied about, who would prepare the way of the Lord. And so he was the final prophet, the, the final Elijah that God was sending to point towards the coming Christ. And so all of this is about the king of the kingdom is coming. It's not coming in the way that everyone thinks it is, but it is coming and it's coming violently. And with it is coming salvation. John prophesied about it. It was prophesied, you know, through all the prophets. Jesus, he is the fulfillment. He is this Messiah. Now, come on, Israel, you need to repent and you need to turn to him. You need to believe him. You need to receive him. So verse 16, but to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. And so Jesus here, he's comparing this generation. He's talking about the generation. This is the generation that is not receiving him, that is rejecting him as Messiah. Because not everyone received Jesus. A lot of people didn't. There was the crowds that followed him. They received him and they loved him. But not everyone was accepting his message. And there was lots that didn't. You'll see he rebukes certain towns and cities for not believing when they should have believed. And so he compares this unbelieving generation to like children in the marketplace. And he says they, they called to their friends. And he's saying Jesus is like the child calling out to his friends. And uh, he said, I played the flute for you and you did not dance. And I sang a dirge and you did not mourn. And it's speaking about like weddings and funerals. And at a wedding, it's a celebration and there's dancing. At a funeral, there's supposed to be mourning. And he's saying, you know, you, 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 didn't, you didn't dance at the celebration and you didn't mourn at the funeral. And it's like they're acting inappropriately. It's like, what's wrong with you? You should be acting appropriately. You should be doing these things. But you're not. Act it's like Christ, the Messiah, has come. And you should be acting appropriately. You should be believing and receiving him, but you're not. And basically, their, their, their behavior was inappropriate because of their unbelief in their heart. And if they, had, if they had faith, they would be like the children that, oh, it's time to sing, we'll sing. Oh, it's time to mourn, we will mourn. They'll be like those the children. It's like, oh, the Messiah is here. It's time to celebrate. It is time to act appropriately and it's time to have faith and receive him verse 18 for john came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon the son of man came eating and drinking and they say look at him a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners yet wisdom is justified in her deeds so that's jesus confirming the generation that he's speaking about he's not talking about everyone. He's not talking about the believers that were following him. He's talking about the generation of Israel that were unbelieving, the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious people that rejected him. And um, he was saying they rejected John as well. See, many came to John and were baptized, but the religious rejected him. And uh, they said John had a demon. Then they say about Jesus that he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of sinners. You know, and so basically they rejected John and they reject Jesus. And then Jesus says, yet wisdom is justified in her deeds. So the Pharisees, their deeds were shocking. They were hypocrites. 
and they said one thing, but they did another thing. And Jesus was here and he proclaimed to be the Messiah. He, he said one thing, but then he also backed it up with, with what he did, his deeds, his miracles, his signs and wonders, his healing the, the lepers and raising the dead and driving out demons. And so it's like, don't just look at the Pharisees and, and hear what they're saying and then just believe them. Watch their deeds. Wisdom is proved right in their deeds. Verse 20, then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. It's like you see his deeds. He's claiming to be the Messiah. They should have believed. They should have repented, but they didn't because of that, that heart of unbelief, that evil heart of unbelief and that stubbornness to just resist Jesus. The easiest thing should have been to believe, and yet they didn't. And uh, so Jesus starts to denounce them. Verse 21, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! It's like judgment to you. Woe to you. It's like a warning. It's going to be worse for you on the day of judgment. The, uh, judgment is coming. Wrath is coming because you didn't repent. You didn't receive me. Wrath is coming. Woe to you. Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. That's Sheol, Hades. Sheol is the Hebrew, Hades is the Greek. That's the waiting room for the departed souls of the unrighteous. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. It's like Jesus was there walking amongst them, doing mighty miracles, claiming to be the Messiah. And all of these things should have been enough proofs and evidence for them to repent and put their faith in him. But they didn't. They continued in their stubbornness and their unbelief and they rejected him as Messiah. And Jesus is just, he's just marveling at this generation. And he's saying, you, you, you're like children in the marketplace who, who didn't do the right thing and you should do the right thing. And so he also, he's speaking about coming judgment. Jesus wasn't just gentle Jesus, meek and mild. John the Baptist wasn't some cute little prophet. These are fiery men of God. John was a fiery man of God. Jesus wasn't soft and cuddly little teddy bear. He was a fiery man as well. Um, but he spoke the truth in love. He didn't pander to people. He didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. He wasn't afraid of offending people. No, he told people what they needed to hear. He told them the truth. And uh, after speaking the truth to them and they refused to repent, the, the other truth is you're going to face judgment one day and, and it's going to be worse for you than for Sodom, than for Nineveh. You know, Nineveh repented. They heard the, the preaching of Jonah and they repented, you know, and they were like an evil heathen Gentile city. You're, a, you're a Israel, God's chosen people. And here the Messiah, the one who was prophesied about, he's walking amongst you and you're not accepting him. How worse it'll be for you on the day of judgment. You, of all people, should be receiving Christ as Messiah. And he, he, just, he just seemed to marvel at their unbelief. And then verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And so Jesus, he's just 
recognizing that all of these towns and these cities that are rejecting him, they're not wise and understanding. They think that they're wise and understanding um, because of their works and their religion and their law. But if they were wise and understanding, they would have recognized Christ and received him. And, uh, but they couldn't because they were blinded by the veil, the, the veil of religion, the veil of works, whereas Christ was, was uh, grace and he was the spirit where God gives us salvation through grace by having faith in him. But that's contrary to the law. The law is all about works and what we must do. And so they just, they couldn't see Christ. They, they were blinded by their, their own self-righteousness and their works. And God's, and Jesus said, God, you've hidden it from the quote, wise and understanding, because they're not that wise and understanding. But in comparison, you've hidden it from them and you reveal it to little children. And so Jesus often speaks about little children. You know, if you want to enter the kingdom, you need to have faith like a child. And the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And what he's saying is that children are innocent and uncomplicated. They just have such an uncomplicated faith. They trust their parents and they, they just believe. And so God has revealed it to little children, those that are willing to have faith. God will reveal his mysteries and his gracious will and plan for salvation. Verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. So again, it's this, this mystery that has been revealed. It's that Jesus is from the Father. The Father has sent him. And uh, if you're prepared to have faith like a child and not be so wise in your own understanding, then you will see. And Jesus, Jesus wasn't just choosing, I'll reveal him to you, but not to you. He was revealing, him, he was revealing himself to those that were willing to see, who had eyes to see and ears to hear. But the wise, in their own understanding, they don't have eyes to see and ears to hear because they're blinded by their own self-righteousness and their own works. And, and they're not looking for Christ and for a Savior. And so they blind. They can't see it. But, but God is revealing himself to those who would have faith. And so all these Pharisees, they claim to know the Father, and yet they didn't know the Son. If they knew the Father, they would know the Son. The Son was walking amongst them, and yet they couldn't see him. They didn't know him. They didn't receive him. They didn't believe him. They rejected him. But, but Jesus, he revealed himself. Everyone that had faith, that, that, that believed, they, they just saw him. Verse 28, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So who are the people that were heavy laden uh, and burdened? Well, this was Israel that was laboring under the heavy yoke of the law. The law demanded what we were not able to give. This incredibly high standard that no one could come up to. But Israel was under the law and they were laboring under the law and trying to fulfill the law. And the Pharisees kept heaping more laws on top of them and just crushing them. They were never going to be good enough and never can earn your own righteousness. Never be good enough in the eyes of God. You carry around such a sense of failure, of shame. I'm falling short. And this is just a, a heavy burden for anyone to carry. And yet all of Israel was laboring under this, trying to be good enough for God. And Jesus said, come on, time for that is over. It's time to come to me. So Jesus was inviting Israel 
to come to him and to take his yoke and to learn from him. And this was, again, the whole issue of repentance. Turn from Moses and come and listen to me. Come and hear me and what I have to say. The, the yoke of Moses, the law, you, you, it's a heavy yoke and you're always going to be weighed down and burdened by it. But my yoke, it's easy. My, my yoke is light because I'm the one that does the work. See, under the law, you're the one who has to do the work. But in grace, Jesus, he's the one who does the work. And then we yoke to him. So it's like we're credited with doing the work. And that's why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. God's not demanding things that we can't give him. In grace, God gives us everything that we could never achieve in our, in our own strength or under the law. God gives us forgiveness. He gives us righteousness. He gives us eternal life. And these are things that we could never achieve. Under the law, we were laboring to try to achieve those things. But under grace, he gives them as a gift. And so we need to learn from Jesus. We need to listen to him and receive his gospel and receive him. And it's time to turn from Moses and from the law and from that heavy yoke. And it's just a wonderful invite from Jesus to all of Israel to come to him. This was a part of his message. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Come to me, Israel. Turn away from Moses and come and listen to me. It says, and you'll find rest for your soul. There is something about grace that actually brings rest to our, our mind, our emotions. See, under the law, we always feel like we've let God down. There's no peace. We feel like God's unhappy with us, judging us. Um, but under grace, we realize, you know what? God loves us. He's forgiven us. He's made us righteous. He doesn't see us as filthy sinners. He sees us as saints. He sees us as his children, his beloved children with whom he is well pleased. Wow, the, the yoke of Jesus is wonderful. It brings rest to our souls. We're not trying to earn God's love. We already have God's love. We're not trying to earn God's blessing and flavor. favor. We already have his blessing and favor because of Jesus. And so when we're yoked to Jesus, we are yoked to grace. And, and I tell you, that is a place of rest. It's a place, place of refreshing and blessing and goodness and um, you know it's time to come out Israel it's time to come out of religion and it's time to come into relationship with Jesus and and in order to do that you have to turn from the law turn from works change the way you think repent and turn to God through faith in Jesus Christ hey this is Ryan Rufus and I hope you enjoyed this last chapter could I ask, if you've been blessed by the Grace Bible Commentary, would you consider making a donation to New Nature Ministries to help support the ongoing work of the Grace Bible Commentary? That would be greatly appreciated. To do that, simply go to newnatureministries.org. Thank you and God bless.